0: This is the last week of a sermon series that we've been in. This is week number 10. The last week of a series called Psalm 23, His Voice in My Valley. But it's also the week that we will launch life groups for the fall. And so directly after I get through speaking, we are going to begin 30 minutes or so worth of um, getting to know our life groups and life group leaders um, doing something we call a life group fair. It's the first time we've ever done it. and um, But I think it's going to be very good, very important for many of us, if not all of us in this room. And so what I've decided to do is, is end this series, but also talk about life groups in the very same sermon, which if any of you have ever spoken before and tried to keep on track, that's a hard thing to do. But true or false, God is good and smart, right? So I believe that he's given me a a great way to, uh, to do that. Um, let, me, let me say this. This is the end of the series, okay, because it's the end of the psalm, okay? We're on the last verse. I, I will dwell in the house forever. So it's the end of the series. It's the end of the psalms. But listen to me, and, and those of you who've been tracking will be tracking right along. It's the end of the year. Remember how we talked about Psalm 23 seems to be a shepherd walking through the four seasons of shepherding sheep. Spring, summer, fall, winter, do it again. Spring, fall, uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, do it again. And you do it again and you do it again and there seems to be this, this routine, this rhythm. In fact, let me go ahead and, and tell you that's the title of my sermon tonight. Write this down, my rhythm. My rhythm, that's the sermon tonight. Let me go ahead and give you this whole sermon in one sentence to help you stay focused and on track. A sheep that sticks to a shepherd's routine will stay safe and strong. A sheep that sticks to a shepherd's routine will stay safe and strong. So David, he ends this whole psalm by saying, and I will dwell in in the house of the Lord forever. Let me say this real quick. If you are new or you're visiting, you you haven't heard any of the other sermons in this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Tonight will actually make way more sense, um, I believe. Um, But I think you'll be encouraged and challenged overall. But David says, I will dwell, he ends the whole psalm, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what David is doing, I believe, is he's telling himself, and he's telling anybody who's reading the words that he's penning, two things. He's telling them what? And he's telling them how. He's telling them what. And he's telling them how. What he is telling them. Is stay connected to the good shepherd. Forever. Like don't wander off. Don't stray. Don't go off on your own. Don't go looking for greener pastures somewhere else. Don't think that some other water is cooler. You stick to the plan. You stick close to the shepherd. Stay connected to the good shepherd. And the how he tells us to do that is, dwell in the house of the Lord. What? Stay close to the shepherd. How do I do that? By dwelling in the house of the Lord. I I want you to notice that he didn't say, um, and I will go to the house of the Lord forever. And he certainly could have, because in that culture, the, the, the Jewish culture, the Hebrew men were required Three times a year to go to the tabernacle and then later when the temple was built to go to the temple. In Leviticus 23, you read about the seven feasts of Israel. Three of those feasts were what they would call pilgrimages, Pilgrim pilgrimage feasts where the men had to come to the temple and they had to present themselves and they had, it was a time of fasting. It was a time of prayer. It was a time when they would bring their offerings. It was also obviously a time of celebration. And so many times the man wouldn't go alone. He would go ahead and bring his family because it was a great time. So he could have done that. He could have, he could have said, let us go to the house and let us, let us uh, celebrate those three feasts, Pentecost, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Okay, knowing that that was part of their cultural obligation, duty. You understand? But he didn't say, let us go. Uh, I will dwell. I will go to the house. He says, I will dwell. He advises his readers to dwell in the house of the Lord. And I think it's because he personally knows <laughs> that a lot can happen between Passover and Pentecost. Right? There's 50 days between those, those two holidays, a couple months. And then especially Pentecost tabernacles. A lot can happen in a few months, right? Okay. So I think what he's suggesting was making an intentional effort to go to the tabernacle, listen to me closely, every day to pray. And he could have done that because, you know, the, the priests were were ministering in the, in the sanctuary or in the tabernacle um, later in the temple every day. They were, they were doing things three times a day. And so as king, he could get in on that action anytime he wanted. He could go in and, and there's certain things he wasn't able to do because he wasn't a high priest, but he could get in at least when he would pray and worship, he could do it close uh, to where they were at. In fact, in Psalm 55 verse 18, it says that he says, evening, morning and noontime, I speak, I moan And that was a way of saying, I cry out to the Lord, I pray, I seek the Lord. He says, I speak and moan three times a day, and he hears my voice, okay? And and David was constantly talking about the idea of gathering the congregation. He was constantly talking about assembling the people together to worship. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. Psalm 92 verse 13, he says, planted, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. When they're planted in the house of the Lord. Psalm 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's a good idea. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 26. One more. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, who comes to the house of the Lord in the name of the Lord. And it says, we have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Okay, prayer Three times a day eventually became part of the Jewish law. And I don't have time to explain how or why that came to be. Um, and people didn't have to go to the temple to do, it, to do it. But those who could usually did. Are you guys with me? Think about Acts. We love the book of Acts. Many, that is one of the heart cries of this generation is to become an early, uh, an Acts church or a first century church or an early church model, you know. But think about what it says. Like in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47 or so, it talks about how day by day they, um, with one mind, continued in the temple. Day by day in the temple. The next chapter, chapter 3, it says that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Okay, so every day they they would go and do these things. Over in chapter 5, they were all in one accord in Solomon's portico. Portico means like a porch. There was this porch off the east side of the temple and it says that they were all gathered there. They were not just, in, they were not just together, but they were in one mind. They were unified on their purpose for being there. Okay, so most people took um, the great King David's advice to not just go to the house of the Lord a few times a year, but to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now that word dwell, it means it means to live, to, to live there. It means to remain. It means to abide. It means to, to live. Okay, so these people that we're talking about, and even David as, as he's writing this, his life, their lives centered around the house of the Lord. Now, obviously, people couldn't remain at the temple all day long, right? They had jobs. They had trades. They had kids to feed. They had floors to sweep. Unless they were priests or something, they couldn't remain there all day. So, so then what was David's big idea? And I want you to listen to this. This is going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear me because this is, this is important. What was David's big idea? Establish a rhythm in your life that allows you to grow in your love and understanding of the Lord. That's really what he's saying, ultimately. Establish a rhythm in your life that allows you to grow in your love and in your understanding of the Lord. How do you live your life? I want you to hear me, and and these are um, these are questions I'm asking. You can answer in your head. You don't have to answer out loud. Please don't. But how do you live your life? How have you structured your life? Remember our sermon in the sentence, a sheep that sticks to a shepherd's routine will stay safe and strong. How have you structured your life? Does your daily life, your weekly life, I mean, even think as far as your monthly life. You could even go as far as your yearly life. Does your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly routines lend towards spiritual growth? Let me say it this way, and you're going to want to write this down. Does the rhythm of your life match the beat of your heart? Now, think about that statement. Does the rhythm of your life match the beat of your heart? Last week, Becca sang a song, and there was a part of the song that said, um, my heart and flesh cry out. You guys remember that? For you, the living God, your spirit's water to my soul. And we're, we're singing that. My heart and my flesh cry out. And Is that a heartbeat statement or what? My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. Is that your heartbeat? Your heart and your flesh, everything about you, cries out for the living God. His spirit is water to your soul. If so, if that's your heartbeat, (laughs) does the rhythm of your life match that? Now I want you to think about the chorus to that song. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. That is a, my rhythm of my life lines up with the heartbeat of my life. David says in Psalm 119, verse 5, Oh, that my ways would be established, established to keep your statutes. Oh, and it's like to put, to put oh at the beginning of anything brings a little more something, something to it, right? I mean, think about the uh, I, okay, I promise I didn't plan this, but I just had a new kids on the block moment. You know what I mean? Oh, 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 come on. Oh uh, oh uh, oh the right stuff. You know what I mean? You put the oh at the beginning of anything, you just up the ante. Right? So look what he's saying. Oh. That my ways would be established to keep your statutes. Now I've been telling you guys that I have sheep. I have 10 sheep at my house and one of the things that I have learned learned is that you have got to establish some routines. You have to establish a grazing routine. Okay, you have to have them on this paddock or plot of pasture for four to six weeks. And then you want to rotate them over to another paddock for another four to six weeks. And that helps keep down on worms. It allows worms to die off in one pasture. And you guys understand that? Another routine you have to establish is a worming routine. <laughs> like you actually have to worm them. You know, I, I have even learned that there is a lambing routine. In other words, you can let them, you know, love each other anytime they want. You know what I mean? But it can be a little less healthy than if you will establish a routine. Let them mate in the fall, birth in the spring. Mate in the fall, birth in the spring. It's actually healthier for the mothers. And you will, if the mothers are healthier, obviously the lambs will be healthier as well. Listen to me. I put off establishing my paddocks for a while. I also put off worming my sheep. And I thought, oh, and I was just procrastinating. Let's just be honest. That's all I was doing was putting it off. And let me tell you, I paid dearly. It cost. It cost me. There was a price to pay. And so I decided to read and stick to (laughs) some of the advice of proven and good shepherds, and follow their routines. I mean, if somebody else knows something that I don't, and they have a proven method and track record, true or false, I am wise to follow their advice. Isn't that right? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so let me, let me shift directions. How does all this that I'm talking about apply to us? I believe David's admonishment to us to dwell in the house of the Lord forever still Applies. I believe God's people are supposed to dwell in the house of the Lord. But listen to me, our context is different, isn't it? Isn't it? We're not ancient kings that can go to the temple and the tabernacle anytime we want and say, hey, I want to get in on this prayer service, you know, pull a rink, let me in, you know. We can't do that. We're not even the first century church people whose lifestyle and even proximity to the synagogue or the temple um, would allow them to stop by on the way to work and then to stop by, you know, at lunch break and to stop by on the way to home. That doesn't work for us, okay? And I will say, if any of you that want to stop by the church and pray at any time of the day, you may come and do that. The doors will be open and uh, that would be absolutely amazing. You're welcome to do that. But by and large, that doesn't, that's a different context in this culture, isn't it? It's Like, that doesn't even make sense. So how... Could we even be people who dwell in the house of the Lord? I want to go back to that statement I said a second ago. Establish a rhythm in your life that allows you to grow in your love and in your understanding of the Lord. If every follower of Christ were to be honest, they would admit that we honestly have a hard time following Christ. Did that sound like a tongue twister? Let me say it again because this is important. If every follower of Christ were to be honest, we would admit that we honestly have a hard time following Christ. Isn't that true? Can I get some head shakes or are you guys just also pious and perfect? Amen. You're like, it's true. We're just not that great at consistently maintaining much less growing in our love and understanding of the Lord. And there's no shame in that. That's just something that's true about who we are. That's what this whole series has been about. We are sheep and we've learned what that means. But we've also learned, thank goodness, that we are the sheep of a very good shepherd. So there's no shame in that. It just is what it is. And I think that's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24 says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Like, let's figure this thing out. Let's figure out how to, how to do this. Like, that's a legitimate, honest statement. Let's consider how we are to do that. And it's very similar to uh, what David was saying in Psalm 119.5. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your... You hear what he's saying? To keep your uh, statutes. In order for me to keep your statutes, to stay consistent, I'm going to need to establish a pattern a routine. And if you know David's story, there was one time in particular that just by him breaking his rhythm, his routine, he did not keep God's statutes. In case you don't know what it is, I think it might be important to tell you. It wasn't part of my deal, but David was king. And as such, at the time of war, there was times where they would go out to war. He was supposed to be out with his army at the time of war. But for some reason, he decided to stay back home during this battle, during this war, And instead of being where he was supposed to be, he was walking around, really just goofing off. I don't know what he was doing, but he caught a glimpse of this chick taking a bath down a few blocks. He's like, what's going on over there? And just by him breaking his routine, in fact, when you read it, it says, at that time when kings go out to war, at that time, the part of the routine, part of the schedule, when he should have been there, he was here. And what happens is he broke God's statute. So when he says, oh, that my ways would be established to, or in order that I might keep your statutes, it's something that we should listen to. We read uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And here's what it says. Let us figure this thing out. How do, how do we do this? How can we do this? Let us consider how to spur people on, each other. And it follows it up with this statement. Let us not neglect meeting together. It's the very next thing it says. In other words, like the top way that we can keep people encouraged and figure out how to spur each other on, encourage them, is just simply don't stop meeting together. And he says, as some have been doing. In fact, he says, as some have made a habit of. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching He's seeing ahead knowing that prophetically the Bible tells us that the times are going to get harder and harder and harder down the road. It is going to be more and more difficult to serve the Lord. Which is consistent with something that Jesus said. There will be a falling away. There will be a mass exodus from the faith. He even says in another place, when I return, because he's going to return. Can I get an amen on that? When I return, will I find any who are faithful? That's what he says. And so this is, we got to figure it out. We got to figure out how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Another, your translation may say, um, spur one another on towards godliness. It may just use one word to encapsulate all that. Godliness. How do we do it? And one of the ways is, don't neglect meeting together. Again, this is similar to what David is saying in his writings. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will flourish in the courts of our God when they are planted in the house of our God. And again, I will dwell. I'm not just going to go up a couple times a year, right? Isn't that what we said? Three times a year really wasn't enough for the Jews. You're going to go down for Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, and everything's going to be perfect in between. Let me ask you this. Is it perfect in between Saturdays? Is Saturday night enough? Or some of you who are visiting, maybe you attend a Sunday morning church. Is Sunday morning enough? Have you ever found yourself stepping away from the statutes somewhere between services? Absolutely. Why? Because just going to the house of the Lord is not enough. It never has been. And it never will be. Now, I will say this. Every day for them back then though many did it, it would have been a stretch. It would have been a stretch for them because some people didn't live close to the synagogue or close to the temple. They may have lived a ways out. So their three times a day prayer may have been at home, okay? But for us, it's impossible. It may have been a stretch for them, but for us, let's just, am, I, am I right? It's impossible to come to this building every day. And even if you did, half the time, we may not be here, especially if you come, you know, after whatever hours, right? Right? It's just not possible. Culturally, it doesn't work. So again, what is the balance? How do we dwell in the house of the Lord forever, knowing these things, knowing these realities? My personal conviction and belief, and of course the church believes this too, is that the solution, outside of your personal spiritual disciplines, you guys understand, praying with and by yourself, um, reading your Bible and doing this. The next level is life groups, small groups. That's how you dwell in the house of the Lord. You don't just go on the weekend. You dwell in the house by living there. Remember, dwell means to live. You, you live life with somebody. I can be a part of the, uh, uh, the congregation. You read scriptures, and David's always talking about the congregation or the throng, You ever read that word throng? What's a throng? You got weird images in your man. A throng is just a a big crowd. Listen, you can be a part of the congregation. Listen to me. You need to hear this. You can be a part of the congregation and not be a part of the community. Isn't that true? And if you're not part of the community, then there's a major uh, missing component in your faith. Because it's not possible. If we're trying to consider how to spur one another on, and one of the ways we do that is meeting together, surely that doesn't mean three times a year for the pilgrimage of feasts or one time a week for a worship service. Surely it doesn't mean that. Then what does it mean? Some sort of continual meeting together. Isn't that right? Now listen, remember I said this, our generation really is kind of crying out to go back to the basics, to get back to the Acts 2 church, back to the first century church. Well, let's look at something It says, this is in Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter 2. And, and starting in verse 42. How many of you ever heard Acts 2.42? Yeah, it's the big one, right? Listen, Acts 2.42. That was kind of dramatic, sorry. It says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, And to the breaking of bread. And to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who had believed were together. And had all things in common. And they began selling their property and their possessions. And they were sharing with all as anyone might have need. And then it says day and night. Continuing in one mind in the temple. Okay now remember culturally. That was quite possible for them. Right, But for many, it wasn't possible. So look what else it says. And breaking bread from house to house. Some were able to come every weekend to the weekend service. Right? Every time the temple doors were open, some were able to be that. They lived right next door. It's like we just hop on over, eat a sandwich on the way. Some weren't. But what they were committed to. You guys understand that this is the logic of this. What they were committed to is meeting house to house and breaking bread and fellowshipping and studying God's word and praying together and doing those things. You see that there. You see it. And so for us, we believe that life groups, small groups, breaking down the large into pockets of community is is how you can dwell in the house of the Lord. How did we say that earlier? Um, It's a rhythm that you can establish in your life it doesn't replace other things. It's not, okay, now I'm, I'm all about laugh group. I, no, it it's includes those other things. It's important. They, they um, um, day, uh, day by day met in the temples, but then also house to house, and they also probably met one-on-one, you know? So we're not giving up all things so we can do that, but it is part of that natural rhythm that we put in place and allow in our lives so that we will grow in our love and understanding of the Lord. So life groups. And let me, can I talk about life groups for just a second? For the next 12 or so minutes, I want to tell you about how life groups work at SOMA. Let me just say this. If you have been a part of our church for very long and, and you're um, what we would call a covenant member, that just means that you've committed um, your heart for this next season of your life to this church to, to, um, to be encouraged and equipped and to help others be encouraged and equipped. Then you know that there are four things that, that make it work for you. Now listen. There's four things that make, make being a part of this church work. And that is being here. So we say it this way. Be here, live here, serve here, give here. Be here just means be here as much as you can on the weekends. We get that you got in-laws you got to go have dinner with and you got soccer games. We get that. But as much as you can, be here. Live here literally is about being a part of a life group. It is one of the staples. It's one of the four pillars. If there's something holding up the walls of the effectiveness of our church, it would be one of those pillars is life groups. Live here. Dwell in the house of the Lord. The other, uh, the other two are serve here. Do something to be a part of the If you love what you're experiencing when you get here, be a part of one of the teams that makes that happen. Just do something. And the other thing, of course, is give here. And we just did a whole series on that back in the spring. You can go back and listen. But my, what I want to focus on is living here. When you have made the choice to make living here, being a part of a life group, a part of your rhythm, you're going to experience, I believe, not only church and community differently, you're going to experience the Lord differently. Our life groups, there's three things that we say life groups are about. Community, discipleship, and outreach. And if you really start thinking about it, those are the three things that, that you are to really grow. Those three things will help you grow in your faith. Community, you're not, you're not supposed to walk out the new covenant alone. It was meant to be done in the context of community. Isn't that Right. So you can come in here and be a part of the congregation and not know anyone. How many of you have ever experienced that? How many of you have ever visited a church no one said hi to you? That's the weirdest thing, first of all. I'm like, really? Nobody? You know? But it can happen. A church can get so large or a church can get off-focused. A church can get inward, inward-focused and not as open to people coming in. But it happens. So you can be a part of the congregation but not part of the community. Well, life groups help you. And that's true of this church. I mean, there's 150, 160 people in here, maybe. You can come in and not be known, nor no know one. You could not be known, or how would you say that? Or not know anybody else. You guys understand what I'm saying, right? Isn't it true? There's some, there's some of you, that you've been coming for maybe six weeks, you don't know anybody. Come in late, slip out early. That's fine if that's what you want to do. But what I'm telling you, I would personally and our leaders would rather see you not just be in the congregation but part of the community. Life groups help that. You can get plugged into a smaller group of people that will pray for you. They will hear your heart. They will teach you whatever you need to know in the word. They will mourn when you mourn and rejoice when you joy. rejoice, right? You need that. You need that. Um, discipleship. Discipleship. You know, I, I, you know, obviously the preaching... On the weekend services is amazing. I mean it's like <laughs> you don't even have words to describe. I mean, I know that. You we all know that. <laughs> I'm kidding. But don't we also know this this isn't it? This is just this is like drive through this is like, okay, you got something and, it, and you know how many times you've been out and about and you're starving and you know you know your wife's got something at home on, on the table, but you're starving now so you go up and pick something up that you can tide you over till you get home. I don't do that often. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's just a drive-thru and it's good food, you know? But it's just a drive-thru. You need to sit down house to house and have a meal you guys understand what I'm saying? And it doesn't even matter if you're going deep in the word during that meal. It's the fact that you were there and able to ask questions and get responses and get feedback. There's something that's different about that. It will build you up. And then the third thing is outreach. Community discipleship and outreach. And you know, our, our small groups are, are really wired. And we're really, I think, just now getting the, the greatest focus and, focus and emphasis on this part, this leg, this pillar of life groups. But reaching out. Some of you may want um, programs to reach out to the community and, and outreaches and big things. Well, I tell you, we'll do some of those things. But if you want to truly touch the community, get involved in the life group, because that's how we're going to do it. Amen. More groups doing more things more often. right. Or we can do one little outreach here and there, or all groups doing more, more often. Well, listen, serving others, Getting a perspective of the greater need of the community or the world in general, that's part of our spiritual development, isn't it? If all we know is what we know, then that's, that's all we know. That was so profound. If you think about it, we need a t-shirt. And then on the back, you know. So life groups are hugely important. Let me just say that, let me just say it this way too. You won't really be shepherded at SOMA. I understand that I'm the lead pastor. I'm, you may even say I'm your pastor. And I might be in a general sense, but I'm not in a personal sense. And probably won't be for many of you. You have ideas and expectations of what you should get and receive. And those are right expectations. The church, Ephesians 4, tells us exactly what the purpose of the church is. And you should have those expectations. But I'm telling you, those expectations will only be met if you make life group part of the rhythm of your life. I'm just telling you right now. I can't shepherd, you know, personally, you know, a couple hundred people. In fact, let me, let me show you something. It's interesting. Um, and, and while I'm doing this, I want to have our life group leaders come up if you would do this, if you wouldn't mind. Life group leaders, and we're going we're to kind of move towards the fair here. But go ahead and stand here in the front. I also want to have Becca Reed come up. Oh, she's already up. She's the left. I want to show you something. Good Lord, y'all are so tall. I can't even... I'm on the stage and I can't look over you. Okay. Listen, you know, I I want you to listen to me real carefully because this is important and then we'll shift. What was happening in the second, uh, second chapter of Acts what you're seeing happening in the church is the gospel doing what it does, saving people. And it says over and over and over, you read that it was uh, that, and they added to their numbers daily. The church was growing. One time it grew by uh, 3,000, just like that. Another time it grew by 5,000, just like that. Can you imagine in a short amount of time going from, you know, whatever, 120 in an upper room to 8,000 people that need to know about Jesus the real Jesus, not the one that was blaspheming, saying he was the son of God, but the one who turns out he was, <laughs> you know? Mm. Could you imagine? And so what happened was, is it started spreading out. So many people being involved, it says here in chapter 6 of Acts. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in numbers, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jews. another the Greek um, Jewish widows against the, uh, the Hebrew widows, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of the food. So there was some ministry that was happening, and there was a group of people that were being overlooked. And they brought that need to the, to the apostles, and, they were, and the apostles didn't say, well, y'all just need to quit complaining. They didn't do that. They said, oh, obviously we need to do something about that. And you know what it says that they did? Select men who are filled with the Spirit, who have all these qualities that line up with really the role of an elder. Now I'll just read what it says. Um... <laughs> Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, whom, may put, uh, whom we may put in charge of this task. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry. They were saying, we're going to devote ourselves to basically the overall leadership of the church, but we do need somebody that's going to make sure that the people are being shepherded. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, these guys, that guy, can't pronounce that guy, and all these guys. Now listen, here's what it says. Listen to me. It says, and they brought them before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Now that was a way of imparting power and authority, anointing and authority. You guys understand what I'm saying? Not ability. I can't make this guy a, a better life group leader or leader just by going, Some more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I can trust God in, in, in the biblical principle of the laying of hands, laying on of hands, and trusting that when we pray that the Holy Spirit does something that man could never do. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do in this moment. The reality at Soma Church is, is it's grown. In the spring, we had six small groups. Now we have 13. And we need them. Why? Because so many of you are interested. And all of you aren't even here. Some of you are still at the lake getting a final hurrah in before school starts. You know? But the reality is, is um, God has been adding to our numbers daily. Daily. And we don't want um, anyone to be overlooked. And so we're doing what the, what the early church did. As best as we can. We're laying our hands on some select men and women, blessing them, praying that God would empower them and releasing them to the works of the ministry, which by the way, is what Ephesians 4 tells us is the job of the church. So what I want is to pray over these guys, okay? These are all, and I think there's uh, one group that's not here um, is... Joe and Morgan Matthews are group leaders and they had a a tragedy in in the family and so they're not here. And so you will see their pictures up on the um, thing and I will actually have their content and what they're about. So for Joe and Morgan's group, they're young, mid-20s, no babies and stuff. So I'll be there and talk talk to you about that group. But everyone else, we're here and I'm going to pray over them right now, okay? So why don't you guys join me and as soon as I'm done praying, these guys are going to go over to their, uh, to their areas and, uh, and they will be there. And maybe some other people that are currently in their group, they will be there too. But at least the leaders will be there and go and meet them. You know, you could spend all the whole fall visiting 13 groups. Be like, ah, which one? Which one? 13 groups later. I don't know. Or you can go figure out, maybe there's a couple and maybe take a couple of weeks to figure out what group you might connect with. Does that make sense? Come on, now, that's, good. that's good. Okay, real quick, before we pray for these guys, I would like for Becca Reed to come over here. This actually fits in great. I really couldn't have asked for a, a better um, time or service. Come on up here since you're so short. <laughs> that's true. I mean that respectfully. Um, in the growth of SOMA, And, uh, you know, one of the things that we are needing to do is have someone um, manage the logistic responsibilities of our worship team. How many of you have ever noticed that there's almost somebody different up there every week? Did you know that we're not just finding people that are like, there's this guy we saw down the road? Hey, could you come and play? No, it's something that we're doing intentionally in in every area, but but certainly in the worship team, those who have that gifting, we want to. Equip them, encourage them, empower them, give them an opportunity to do it. We have how many volunteers? We have 28 volunteers in our worship ministry. Four worship leaders, 28 volunteers. It's amazing. And we are so blessed. Isn't that awesome? But it is becoming what I I would define as um, a logistic nightmare. (laughs) Um, Aren't you guys excited about Becca? She's coming on very... (laughs) They like you. She is coming on as a very part-time but very significant role of uh, worship coordinator. And she's handling all the logistics, scheduling. It, again, it really truly at times can be a nightmare. And uh, and, and equipping and, and training and really everything that makes us have such a wonderful time with the Lord every weekend. Isn't that good? So... Okay, your kids have ministry in there. They're good to go. As soon as I'm done praying, you guys, if you, if you need to leave, you can. If you need to check out your kid, you can. But I encourage you to spend the next 20 to um, 25 minutes going around and getting to know life group leaders. Is that good? Awesome.